Maria shivered. The thin white shift she wore was no challenge to the chilly spring evening. The small bonfire the girls had built barely held back the gloom of the forest, let alone provided heat. The novices had been swaying and chanting for what seemed like hours, awaiting his presence. And now, he was here. Maria's heart skipped a beat in excitement as the priest joined their circle. He wore a dark robe, a mask fashioned to look like a horned goat's head hid the upper half of his face from view. He carried a newborn lamb in his arms. The knife's sharp edge gleamed in the firelight as the priest held it aloft. With a twist of his wrist, he slit the throat of the lamb. With each pump of its dying heart, blood gushed from the lamb's neck. The priest caught the blood in a chalice. The priest walked from initiate to initiate, dipping his thumb and forefinger in the warm blood, drawing symbols on their cheeks. A drop of the lamb's blood accidentally landed on Maria's lips. She licked it. She liked the salty taste of the crimson liquid. Finally, all gathered had been anointed. The priest cleared his throat and began the ceremony. Maria listened carefully, and when it was time, recited the words that would alter the course of her life. Hail Satan, I serve you and only you as my master. Welcome to Haunted Places. I'm Greg Polson. Every Thursday, I take you to the scariest, eeriest, most haunted, real places on Earth. This week, join me on a supernatural journey to the ruins of the Unterzell Monastery in Bavaria, Germany. To this day, it's haunted. If you can't get enough haunted places, don't forget to subscribe. You can find us on your favorite podcast directory, as well as on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast, and on Twitter at Parcast Network. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. Spired castles, picturesque Gothic towns, and sleepy bucolic villages dot the green countryside of Bavaria in southeastern Germany. A popular tourist destination, many visit to enjoy the rich wealth of art, nature, and history. A few miles from the city of Würzburg, in the popular medieval town of Zella Main, tourists are welcome to visit the Unterzell Church of Reconciliation. However, some visitors to the church have had an uneasy brush with the supernatural force which haunts the property. Behind this house of God lies a twisted past. This peaceful church was built on the ruins of a once flourishing convent where a series of mysterious incidents occurred. Faith was tested and confessions were made, culminating in a dark punishment 
ultimately changing the fabric of German society. In 1230, the Bishop of Würzburg split off the priory nuns from the nearby monastery of Oberzell and founded a convent specifically for women, Kloster Unterzell. Throughout much of the Middle Ages and the Renaissance, Kloster Unterzell endured as a peaceful religious community. However, the fortunes of the convent waxed and waned, affected by events occurring beyond its walls, such as wars, disease, and church leadership. Notably, the convent declined when several nuns left to become Reformation followers of Martin Luther after he nailed his 95 theses up in protest in 1517. During the Great Peasants' War in 1525, the nunnery was looted by angry peasants. From the mid-17th into the 18th century, Bavaria experienced a relatively calm period. There were no wars, and agriculture flourished. Kloster Unterzell was expanded, and its church was renovated and decorated in the Baroque style. By now, the convent resembled a small village. Situated on farmland near the Main River, Kloster Unterzell was self-sustaining, consisting of living quarters for the nuns, a church, refectory, kitchen, infirmary, library, school, laundry, storerooms and stables, a vineyard, gardens, and fields. A forbidding high stone wall surrounded the estate for protection. The nuns lived according to canonical hours, centering their lives around prayer. Each nun also had daily tasks according to their station in the convent. These tasks included teaching the novices, gardening, washing laundry, providing medical care to the nearby community, and cooking. Nuns from privileged backgrounds, whose family provided the nunnery with large dowries when they joined the order, often received less strenuous chores, such as embroidering. Overall, the nuns of Unterzell lived in a comfortable simplicity, working hard, serving the poor, and contemplating the face of God. In the mid-1740s, an ill wind began to blow, disturbing the peace of the nunnery. Crops failed, animals sickened and died. Nuns, including a pious young novice, Sister Cecilia Pistorini, had terrible nightmares and claimed that they were tormented in their beds. The nuns began to wonder if God had forsaken Kloster Unterzell. Sister Cecilia huddled under her thin blanket. The shadow person was in the corner of her cell again. It was a darker smudge in an already dark room. Cecilia mainly could see it because of its red eyes. It said nothing, only watched her, as it had done every night for the past five nights. At first, Cecilia had yelled at it, asking it why it was here and what it wanted, but it said nothing. 
Then she had told her mother superior about the shadowy figure which showed up in her room at night. Mother had scolded her for telling tales. As punishment, Cecilia had been made to kneel for hours, hands held out in front of her, reciting psalms. Arise, O Lord, save me. O my God, for thou hast spitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast... When she stumbled in her recitation, Mother had lashed Cecilia across the palms with a switch. Cecilia's soft hands had coarsened from the many hours she had spent in punishment or doing chores. Had it been mere months since she had turned 17 and made her confession? Cecilia could scarcely remember a time before her novitiate at Kloster Unterzell. Cecilia curled herself in a ball and hid her head under the blanket. Soon it would be morning, and in the light she would be safe. During the afternoon prayers of Nona, all around her, nuns fervently listened, heads bowed, eyes closed as Mother prayed aloud. Cecilia surreptitiously snuck a peek. She didn't need to pray. Yesterday, while milking the cow, an angel had whispered to her. Cecilia was special, chosen by God to root out the evil hiding in the convent. Cecilia recalled how the cow had stared at her with big brown eyes and mooed loudly, agreeing with the angel's revelation. As Mother continued to pray, the words she said drifted out of her mouth. Gold and shiny, the prayers floated up to the ceiling, headed toward heaven, right into God's ear. Cecilia rocked back and forth, laughing at Mother's beautiful words. All around her, the nuns gasped. Cecilia screamed as Sister Maria grabbed her by the ear with a gnarled hand and dragged her out of the chapel. Blasphemous! Cecilia fell on the floor when Maria pushed her into her room. Maria hovered in the doorway, her age-spotted face pinched. Laughing during prayer! Spittle sprayed from her pale, shriveled lips as she screeched. While you wait, Mother Superior, you should pray and repent. Sister Maria's beady black eyes glared down at Cecilia. Twin flames burning at her pupils, attempting to see into Cecilia's soul. Witch, Cecilia whispered. Cecilia lifted her face to the sun. It had been three days of punishments since she had last been outside. The other nuns shunned Cecilia and would not speak to her unless they were giving her an order. But Cecilia endured. It was God directing her path. He was making her stronger, preparing her for the spiritual battle to come. Cecilia stepped into the chicken coop. She reached under the first hen. The egg was speckled brown. Cecilia slid it into her basket. Something was wrong. It took Cecilia a moment to realize what. The chickens had quit clucking. 
It was completely silent. Cecilia turned toward the door. Suddenly, the heavy door that Coop slammed shut, and Cecilia was plunged into darkness. The hen's eyes were red. Cecilia frantically felt for the latch on the door. The hens attacked. Their beaks and claws were razor sharp, slicing into the tender skin of her arms and face. Cecilia fell to the floor, her body shaking. She didn't know what was wrong. She had been chosen by God. A thought suddenly struck her, and she sobbed louder. Maybe God hadn't chosen her. Maybe the devil had. In 1746, Sister Cecilia Pistorini of Kloster Untersel suffered from visions, cramping, and had hysteric attacks. She came to believe that she was possessed by Satan. After a number of mysterious incidents at the convent, the nuns gathered for an exorcism. They were clearly under siege from evil. Unfortunately, the ceremony to drive out the dark forces affecting the abbey only made things worse. Mother Superior strode down the hallway, carefully carrying a steaming pot. She had spent all morning making the herbal brew, trusting no one but herself to stew the herbs for the correct length of time. Sister Alexandra looked relieved when Mother bustled into the infirmary. She sat bedside, stroking Sister Cecilia's hair. Thank goodness, Alexandra said. I think she worsens. Mother touched Alexandra's shoulder in comfort. Gather whomever you can find. It is time. Alexandra hurried off. Mother looked down at the pale figure tied to the bed. Days ago, Cecilia had been found in the chicken coop, unconscious, bleeding from several small wounds. The nuns had put Cecilia to bed, and she had been there ever since. In all of her life, Mother had never heard of such a thing. Attacked by hens. Mother felt a little guilty. Perhaps some of the odd claims Cecilia made were true. Even now, Cecilia seemed plagued by feverish nightmares. When awake, she screamed gibberish and had fits, pulling out her hair. Cecilia flopped her head over and opened unfocused, bloodshot eyes to giggle at Mother. Her hair was wet with sweat, and her cheekbones stood out in her thin face. A stench, like spoiled meat, wafted from her mouth. He comes for me. The nuns knelt in a circle around Cecilia's bed, praying. Even more nuns prayed in the hallway, since there wasn't enough space in the room. Mother quoted Bible verses as she attempted to spoon the herbal potion into Cecilia's mouth. Yelling, Cecilia strained against her bonds and spat out the medicine. 
All day long, the nuns continued to pray as mother kept vigil beside the bed of Cecilia. As the bell tolled for vespers, Sister Teresa began to giggle. Suddenly, all the nuns began giggling, screeching, contorting. Sister Teresa knocked her head against the wall. Her skin split and blood trickled down her forehead. Mother ran over to Teresa and shook her, trying to make her quit. Hoarse with fear, Mother yelled, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. (laughs) Mother turned from Teresa to look at Cecilia. Having slipped her bonds, Cecilia levitated over the bed, laughing. (laughs) He's here. (laughs) We'll return to our story in just a moment from the Parcast Network. And now, let's continue our story. In 1746, the exorcism conducted at Kloster Unterzell for Sister Cecilia failed. Actually, several more nuns became affected during the ritual and went into hysterics. An observer said that several nuns squirmed on the floor and howled and snapped like mad cats. Sister Cecilia died of her puzzling affliction but not before naming elderly Sister Maria as a witch who had cursed her. Other nuns quickly made the same accusation. A search was conducted of Sister Maria's room. Allegedly, items used for witchcraft were found, including some herbs. As word spread, Sister Maria was quickly vilified and accused by the wider community of other crimes, Everything from cows giving sour milk to ailing babies. Sister Maria was interrogated by the Spiritual Commission and confessed that she was a Satanist. Maria Renata Sanger von Massau was born December 27, 1679, into an aristocratic Frankish family. Her father was a military official and it's likely she spent most of her youth traveling with her family along on her father's military campaigns through Bosnia and Serbia. Maria would have been exposed to a hodgepodge of ideas, including occult and magical lore. In 1687, at age seven, Maria had pledged her soul to Satan. Beginning at a young age, Maria had various love affairs with army officers. Maria claimed that one of her lovers further tutored her in the satanic arts. As a teen, she worked as a prostitute, studied poisons, and was baptized at a black mass. Maria was sent to live with an aunt in Munich, and later on sent to the convent by her parents in an attempt to curb her promiscuous behavior. In 1699, at age 19, Maria had entered the convent with the sole purpose of causing discord among the brides of Christ. At Kloster Unterzell, Maria most likely continued to build upon her apothecary knowledge. Some of the reported symptoms of Cecilia and the other nuns might be explained away by mental health issues, but also 
are caused by exposure to poison. Maria's confession likely came about under duress. She was an elderly woman, questioned many times over a period of months by several spiritual leaders. During a time when barbaric interrogation techniques were often used to help loosen the tongue of an accused person. Maria was judged guilty of Satanism, heresy, sorcery, witchcraft, and apostasy by the church. Maria expressed remorse, but regardless of her repentance, Maria was turned over to the secular authorities for execution. It was a warm morning. A trickle of sweat ran down Mother Superior's neck, soaking into her wimple. The crowd was large and still growing. There was a festive atmosphere, as if an execution was something to celebrate. A dull roaring started in Mother Superior's ears. She had prayed all night for Sister Maria's soul. Even now, her heart was filled with agony. How could her dear friend Maria have done the wicked thing she was accused of? She could scarcely believe it. Mother looked at the small group of nuns gathered beside her in front of the scaffold. They had never spoken of that horrible night when Sister Cecilia died. The storm and hysterics of the nuns had raged all night. But the next morning, the sun had shone bright, and the convent had returned to normal, leaving much unsaid. No one except Mother had seen Sister Cecilia rise off the bed before she vomited and died. The crowd jeered as the executioner led Sister Maria up the scaffold steps. She was hunched over, her wrinkled face drawn and gray. The roaring in Mother's ears got louder. Why did they do this? Maria had repented and God had forgiven her. Surely her heart was cleansed. Licking dry lips, Mother began to sing. The other nuns joined in, but their hymn was drowned out by the raucous gathering. A rotten egg sailed out of the crowd to hit Maria on the shoulder. For the first time, Maria glanced at the crowd. Mother shuddered. She was close enough to see that Maria's eyes glinted oddly. Twin flames burned defiantly in her pupils. The executioner guided Maria to kneel and positioned her head on a high wooden block. Her fragile, pale neck was bared. He hoisted his axe, the sharp edge winking in the morning sun. A spray of blood hit the front of the crowd. Maria's headless torso slumped to the platform. The executioner reached into the basket. He held the head of Sister Maria aloft by her hair. Behold the head of a traitor. A cloud of black wafted out of the bloody neck of Maria's head. Nasty black flies. The swarm descended on the crowd. The flies buzzed into ears and crawled up noses. Mother yelled, 
But no one was paying attention. Couldn't they see? Couldn't they feel the tickles? Tiny black flies buzzing, whispering evil thoughts, squirming their way into brains. Sister Maria had not repented before her death. She had spread her evil far and wide. Mother startled when a wailing Sister Agnes suddenly buried her head in Mother's shoulder. Mother looked around. There were no flies. The crowd was scattering, still in a jovial mood. Mother patted Agnes. The other nuns gathered around them, comforting Agnes. Mother searched their faces. While they were all clearly upset, no one seemed to have seen the flies. No one except Mother. Come, Mother took Agnes's arms, and the nuns began the long walk back to Kloster Unterzell. Mother Superior glanced back. The executioner was affixing Sister Maria's head to a pike. Maybe it was just the motion of the executioner's hand. But for a moment, Sister Maria's mouth seemed to twitch into a grotesque smile. On June 21st, 1749, at approximately 70 years of age, Sister Maria Renata Sanger von Massau was beheaded for witchcraft. Her head was publicly displayed as a warning. Her remains were burned and her ashes scattered. Sister Maria's trial and subsequent death created a firestorm in Bavarian society. Kloster Unterzell was a prominent convent and Sister Maria, who occupied a leadership position, was well known for her many years of service to the church. There were rumors of resentment and jealousy among the nuns. During the time of Sister Maria's execution, Europe was on the cusp of the Enlightenment. New ideas about religion, science, and justice were gaining ground. Ultimately, Sister Maria's death brought about the end of witchcraft being considered as a legal matter. Sister Maria Renata Sanger von Massau was one of the last women to be executed for witchcraft in Germany. In the early 1800s, Bavaria underwent a period of secularization. The majority of religious communities were appropriated by the government. Kloster Unterzell had its holy order dissolved, and the estate was sold off. For the next 100 years or so, the convent was used for many different purposes, including a Talmud school, a farm, and a residence. During World War II, when the city of Würzburg was bombed on March 31, 1945, the church and some other buildings of Kloster Unterzell were hit and severely damaged. Since Maria's execution, rumors that she haunts Kloster Unterzell have persisted. People claim to have seen a cloaked nun in the distance weeping or scattering rose petals. 
Some say that the ghost destroying roses is a symbol for Maria's will to destroy devotional prayer, thus severing the links between man and God. What if the ghost of Maria has never found peace and lies in wait for opportunities to serve her master? The church is burning. The living arrogantly fight with each other, not realizing they are simply pawns between God and my master. In their eagerness to bomb the city, they destroyed the church. Over a century ago, I desecrated this hallowed place and swore to Satan to corrupt souls any way I can. Even after my death, I lingered in the hallways and sanctuary of Kloster Untersel, stirring fear and doubt in the hearts of those who saw me. When the nunnery shut down, I rejoiced, thinking that my master would free me from this place and I would go to dwell with him. But I remained, growing stronger as the years went by. I came to realize that I have much work to do. Even now, as the church burns, my job is not yet done. I will sow the seeds for the church to return. A whisper here, a suggestion there. Humans are so malleable. And when the church rebuilds, I will again harvest their souls. Meanwhile, I will make an offering. I will lure a sacrifice into the burning church to send up sweet smells to please my master. And so I wait. Who wouldn't help an old nun lying in the rubble? Someone will come shortly. For several years after the war, most of the Kloster Unterzell property lay damaged and abandoned. In 1968, the Evangelical Lutheran Church purchased much of the Kloster Unterzell estate. In the nave of the original church, the Protestant Lutheran Church of Reconciliation was built. The remains of the original church's long house and the north and west facades of the abbey stand as memorial. As Bavaria is popular for bicycle tours, the Unterzell Church of Reconciliation is part of a community of churches designated as safe places for cyclists seeking a restroom, information, or a moment of peaceful spiritual reflection. However, for some, the church is not a peaceful haven. Since the church was built, Rumors of Maria's haunting have become more prevalent. If you ever visit the Unterzell Church of Reconciliation, please take care. We'll return to our story in just a moment. And now, let's continue the story. Our final story of the Unterzell Monastery is inspired by the thin accounts of the unlucky few to have tangled with Maria's ghost. At first, her cycling had been wobbly, but Tori quickly remembered how to ride. She was so glad that she had opted to take the train and cycle through Bavaria, rather than flying from Paris to Nuremberg. Tori paused as she crested a hill. The view was magical. 
A clear blue sky with puffy white clouds, rolling green hills, surrounded a fairy tale like castle. Shaken, Tori pulled back from the edge of the road she had been about to cross as a car sped by. Charmed by the historic town of Zella Mine, Tori lingered all afternoon at Marketplace, buying souvenirs. Though the hostel in Würzburg was calling, Tori found herself compelled to stop off at the Unterzell Church of Reconciliation. Though the church was closing for the evening, Pastor Mike, as he had introduced himself with a kind smile, had taken pity on Tori and allowed her into the sanctuary while he prepared for tomorrow's service. Tori sat quietly, simply soaking in the atmosphere. She really wasn't religious, but something about the church spoke to her. The soft white walls, the simple brick tiled floor, the cushioned honey blonde wooden chairs for the congregation. Behind the altar, a huge arch led to an inner sanctum where two floor-to-ceiling radius windows emphasized the simple crucifix that hung on the wall between them. It was lovely, calming. She had only four days left in Germany before she had to return home. Then her epic European trip would be over, and she'd be busy with grad school. Suddenly freezing, Tori came out of her reverie. Through the windows, she could see that it had turned to dusk. Great. She had lost track of time and would have to cycle in the dark. Tori picked up her backpack and walked down the center aisle to the doors leading out to the lobby. They were locked. Tori knocked, hoping that Pastor Mike hadn't gone home forgetting about her. Jumpy, Tori whirled around. She hadn't known anyone was in the sanctuary with her. She started back down the aisle, tucking her hands into her armpits. Her cargo pants and t-shirt didn't keep out the cold at all. An elderly nun was chanting and scattering rose petals all over the altar. She turned as Tori approached. Um, the door's locked. Is there a key? Tori was puzzled as her words came out in a puff of frost. The nun grinned, showing rotten teeth. She said something in German and stretched a wrinkled, liver-spotted hand toward Tori. Her voice was hoarse, raspy. Uneasy, Tori stepped back. She spoke a little German, but hadn't understood the woman. Tori took her cell out of her backpack and mimed dialing. Can we call Pastor Mike to let us out? Do you know his number? Suddenly, impossibly, the nun was beside her. Startled, Tori dropped her cell phone. The nun gripped Tori's arm in a surprisingly firm grasp. Tori tried to shake herself loose, but she couldn't. The nun said something else in German, in her horrible, raspy voice. Tori only understood one word. Opfern. Sacrifice. 
twin flames seem to burn in the pupils of the nun's eyes. The nun held out her empty left hand. The yellow nails at the tip of her gnarled fingers began to sprout. They grew into razor-sharp points. Frantic, Tori struggled and tugged at the nun's cowl. A strip of fabric tore off into her hands. Wheezing, the nun clutched at her neck, but the cowl had come loose. The nun's head fell off and rolled across the floor. It seemed like Tori had been screaming for ages, but it was probably just seconds. She watched terrified, yet fascinated, as the nun's torso stumbled about, crashing into chairs, hands groping the floor, feeling for its head. Tori was finally galvanized into action when the questing ghostly hands neared the head. She rushed over and kicked the head out of reach. It shrieked as it bounced and went rolling over to the pulpit. Glancing around, Tori darted toward a small door in the corner of the sanctuary. To her relief, it opened. Tori slammed the door behind her, but it had no lock. She was in a small hallway with two doors. Tori chose the door on the right and found herself in a bathroom. Tori moaned in fear as the door shook violently. Tori kicked the small bathroom window until it shattered. Straining, Tori squeezed through the little window just as the nun floated into the bathroom. Tori landed hard in the bushes. She struggled to her feet. She had a nasty wound where a glass shard had ripped through her pants to slice into her leg. Tori had found herself in the courtyard where she had left her bike. She quickly hobbled over to it. The hair rose on Tori's neck. She didn't want to glance back, but she couldn't help it. The ghostly nun was floating toward her, a grotesque smile twisting across her face. Tori's shaky fingers finally cooperated, and she unlocked her bike. She threw a leg over the seat and sped off. Tori turned out of the churchyard. She didn't see the pickup truck speeding down the road until it was too late. From his study, Pastor Mike heard the crash and came running. The headlights of a pickup with a smashed up bumper illuminated a crumpled body next to a broken bike. One wheel was still wobbly, spinning. The driver of the pickup looked to be unconscious. Pastor Mike knelt beside Tori. A welt was rising on her cheek. Her sightless eyes were still wide in fear. He dipped a hand into the pool of crimson, rapidly spreading across the road. Pastor Mike anointed his cheeks with archaic symbols and sucked his fingers clean. He liked the salty taste of blood. 
he recited an incantation as he watched the ghost of Maria fade away. By the time the authorities arrived, Pastor Mike had cleaned his face and reverently covered Tori's corpse with a sheet. Blinking back tears, he told the policeman that the accident victim had been a quiet American tourist who had briefly stopped in at the church. The pickup driver was revived and transported to the hospital. He later explained to the police that the girl had suddenly cut him off. She didn't look before she started to cross the road. Tori's death was quickly declared accidental. The lone thing the authorities had puzzled over was how the accident had decapitated Tori. Her beheading was so precise and the edges of the wound so clean cut that one medical examiner remarked to another that it was almost as if her neck had been cut with some sort of medieval battle axe. For hundreds of years, Kloster Untersel provided a home for women seeking to devote themselves to the holy. Was Sister Maria Renata Sanger von Massau a godly woman persecuted by envious rivals? Or was Sister Maria a devil worshiper? who sought to destroy a community dedicated to God from within. Is poor Sister Maria's ghost bound to roam the land where Kloster Untersel once stood, neither welcomed by God nor the devil, having rebelled against both? Is Sister Maria's ghost unable to rest until the truth is known about her? Or does she still serve Satan from beyond the grave? Thanks for listening to Haunted Places. Don't forget to subscribe to Haunted Places on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review or tell us what you think on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram as at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. It seems simple, but it really helps our show. A new episode comes out every Thursday. We'll see you next week. Haunted Places was created by Max Cutler. It is a production of Cutler Media and is part of the Parcast Network. It's produced by Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Ron Shapiro. With production assistance by Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Carly Madden. Haunted Places is written by Candace Rogers. I'm Greg Polson. <laughs>